Close your eyes. In your mind, picture the average US citizen. Think about it. How old are they? What's their hair like? What do they do for fun? Got one? Likely the person you're picturing looks a little different to the average American. There are about 326 million US citizens. About 51% are female. So the average American is a woman. Is that what you pictured? 58 million are Latino, 49 million are senior citizens, 28 million are disabled, and almost 19 million are Asian. E pluribus unum, from many, one. A United States of America, from many different people, bound together to make one unified. So, now look at the church, the body of Christ. We are made up of many different parts, many gifts, cultures, and people brought together by the love of God, each as important as the other. The very purpose of God in Christ is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. A unity that will spread love beyond division. Any people group, any age, gender, or race. It is one body of Christ that will bring glory to God. And that's how the world will know God's love. Through the glory that brings the kingdom of God to earth. about the Apple II, which is not just a crucial part of this company's history, it is a crucial part of the history of personal computing. For a time. The least you can do if you're going to downsize these people. They're going to live in the biggest houses of anyone on the unemployment Is to line. acknowledge them. Acknowledge them and the Apple II during this launch. This is a new animal. This whole place was built by the Apple II. You were built by the Apple II. As a matter of fact, I was destroyed by the Apple II and it's open system so that hackers and hobbyists could build ham radios or something. And then it nearly destroyed Apple when you spent all your money on it and developed a grand total of no new products. The Newton. The little box of garbage. You guys came up with the Newton. You like want people to know that. This is a product launch, not a luncheon. And the last thing I want to do is connect the iMac to, to the, the only successful product that this company has ever made. I'm sorry to be blunt, but that happens to be the truth. The Lisa was a failure. The Macintosh was a failure. I don't like talking like this, but I am tired of being Ringo when I know I was John. Everybody loves Ringo. And I'm tired of being patronized by you. You think John became John by winning a raffle was? You think he tricked somebody or hit George Harrison over the head? He was John because he was John. He was John because he wrote Ticket to Ride. And I wrote the Apple II. Everybody, look, I want to clear Nobody the Nobody moves. You made a beautiful board, which by the way, you're willing to give out for free, so don't tell me how you built Apple. If it weren't for me, you'd be the easiest day at Homestead High These School. These people. Live and die by your praise. So here's your chance. Acknowledge that something good happened that you weren't in the room for. No. Steve, do it. It's right. It's... It's right. Sorry, but no. Let me put it another way. I don't think there's a man who's done more to advance the democratization that comes with personal computing than I have, but you've never had any respect for me. Now, why is that? I'd at least consider the possibility that it's because you've never had any for me. 
What is going on here? Nothing. Thank you for your time. It's done. She's coming back. You came a half inch from putting this company out of business. Now, who do I see about that? I'm letting you keep your job. You get a pass. You know, when people used to ask me what the difference was between me and Steve Jobs, I would say Steve was the big picture guy, and I liked a solid workbench. When people ask me what the difference is now, I say Steve's a... Your products are better than you are, brother. That's the idea, brother. And knowing that, that's the difference. It's not binary. You can be decent and gifted at the same time. It's crazy when the arts team brought me in and said, hey, we're thinking about showing this clip and we're sitting there in that room and I mean immediately, right? You can just feel it right here. And the reason we can feel it right here is because every one of us in this room has been there. Every one of us has been in a conflict with another human being. And it's amazing. In just that short clip right there, what do you have? You have, I don't like Steve Wozniak saying, I don't like talking like this. Nobody does, right? Who likes that? None of us. No, no, no human likes that. And what do you have? You have no affirmation. You have a lack of respect. You have hurt feelings. You have accusations of failure. You have differences where they don't share the same values and then shaming each other because of that. And then his last phrase, it's not binary. <laughs> you can be decent and gifted at the same time. Binary means what? Binary means two instead of one. Can two actually be one? We have division instead of unity. Two people trying actually to work on one thing, trying to be together in one thing, and yet they can't do it. And what's interesting is when there is division, when there is separation, there's a culture. There are certain experiences that come out of it, and none of these words are pleasant. <laughs> what do you have? You have judgment, disdain, anger, disgust, sadness, rejection, fear, insult, pain. <laughs> so this is what we've been talking about in this series on unity, that when things are divided, things that are meant to be together, when they get divided, it's not good. It's not life-giving, and none of us want this, and yet all of us are in this. So here's what I want you to do, and I've been sharing it with all of you. Make sure you bring in your programs because we're going to be using these every week in the series, okay? So pull out your program, and here's what I want you to do. On the, right, the left-hand panel, open it up, and in the left-hand panel at the top, I want you to write down the name of the person that you're in conflict with right now. Write down the name of the person you're in conflict with right now. Now, I, here's what I'm going to say. I, I would be shocked if there's anybody in here who's like, I'm good with everybody. So let's think about it, right? It, it, for some of you, it's like you watched that, and while you were watching that, the person already was in your head because you feel it because you're in that conflict with them. Now, it might be a lifelong conflict with somebody that you're still in. It could be something that happened just recently. It could be a pretty serious conflict that's, that's, that's major issues going on, or it might be something that's just not going well. 
but write the name of that person. This is super important for today, that you have that person in mind. Write them down on the top of your panel. And here's the good news. Just like you and I don't like that, God doesn't like it. God, uh, wants, God does not want that. One of the greatest things that we're talking about as we go through this series is that God has a good pleasure, a purpose, a plan, a will. And here it is in Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. It says that God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So we're in the book of Ephesians. We're going right through the book. And in the chapter 1, right off the bat, Paul just says, hey, let me tell you, the whole reason of Jesus, which is why we're here, right? We're at church. And this is a Christian church, which means we're all centered around Jesus. And Paul says, can I tell you, the purpose of Christ on the cross, the whole reason he's here, God has made known to us his will. And what is it? To unify everything in heaven and earth under Christ. The will of God is to take what's divided and bring it together. Here's the will. Wherever there is division... This is where we're going today. Wherever there's separation, when things are going like this, the will of God is to move in. <laughs> so whenever you experience this, you can know right now, this is not the will of God. The will of God is to unite everything. And so when you're feeling the separation and the division happening, what we're going to talk about today with Jesus Christ, we go, well, then you've got to move in to that. Because that's the will of God that you and I would be united. So here's where we've been. Just real quick, let me recap. In week one, what we found out was Paul starts off Ephesians and he goes, man, praise be to God because he is the one who actually the first separation, the first division that needs to be taken care of is yours with God. And Paul just goes, so praise God because God's greatest desire was to be with you. He did everything possible to bring you and him back together. And like we talked about, and then chapter two, he explained how this happened. He goes, because you're actually dead in your sin. And you're like, what do you mean you're dead? Well, dead in your sin because you're separated from God. You follow the ways of the world, which are totally against God. You follow the enemy who lies to you about God, and you follow your own heart. You, you do whatever you want to do. And that leads you to be disobedient from God. So you're not with him. You're separated from him. And here's the good news, though. And God sees that. He sees every one of us not following him, not wanting to love him or obey him. And it says, but God is great in his love, rich in his mercy, and he has incomparable grace. So even when we were disobedient and far away from God, God goes, but I move in. Is that not great news? you got to understand this. When you were divided and set apart from God, God did not pull away from you. He didn't go, y'all, I'll teach you a lesson. No, he said, hey, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I love you. And so if you feel separated from God today, you can know this about him. He always moves in when there's separation and division because that's his will, purpose in Christ, was to first bring you back together with God. But he doesn't stop there. And this is what's fascinating to me. God doesn't say, Jesus, when he was on the cross, Jesus was not just dying to reconcile us to himself and to God. 
he goes, God has a will, and now he wants to bring what? He wants to unite everything. He wants to bring all of us together in unity. So we're in Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, we're verse 11, if you have our Bibles, and you can look at that. And there's this Jew and Gentile conflict, and this is a big deal. The Jews and the Gentiles, I mean, Jews were told, you can't even have dinner with these people. Don't even go inside their house. I mean, they are, they, you need to be completely separate from them. So there was a huge conflict between Jews and Gentiles. In verse 11, it says this. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles. By the way, how many of you are Gentiles in here? Okay. Almost all of us, right? I mean, there's some of you who have Jewish background, but almost all of us. Now listen to what the Bible is saying. You who are Gentiles by birth, which is me, you're called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. So right off the bat, circumcised and uncircumcised, we've got division. And then he says this, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. You were far away from God. And I tell you what, see, God had this dream that the Israelites would actually be his people and that they'd be a blessing to the whole rest of the world. But instead, they took that blessing and they thought, we're more special than everybody. <laughs> so now you're not special. Now here's what's interesting. Tim Keller said it well as I was studying this week. He said, this classic Jew-Gentile conflict is just a case of a universal problem. There is a universal problem going on here, okay? Because let me just ask you, how many of you struggled this past week with the Jew-Gentile conflict? Right? None of us. <laughs> That's not what I'm struggling with. And yet, how many of us are struggling with division in our relationships? Almost all of us, Okay? Here's the problem. It's a universal problem. We've got Republicans and Democrats. I got to be honest. I'm so bummed. I chickened out. I was going to wear a Make America Great hat today. Oh, thank you. No, no. See? See what reaction that got? When I told my wife, she goes, don't do that. <laughs> Why? Because just by wearing that hat, there's an emotion that happens in every one of you, whether you're for it or against it. But there's the point. You're for it or you're against it, and our country is divided. And it's not the will of God. You've got Fox News and CNN. You have the rich and the poor. You've got the white class and the blue class. You've got black, Hispanic, Asian, and white. We've got Americans, and we've got immigrants, foreigners. We've got Christians and Mormons. We've got BYU and Utah. I was also going to wear a BYU shirt, too, just to really, just, just put it all on. We've got gay and straight. We've got east side and west side. You've got baby boomer, Gen X, and millennial. And here's what I know. I got all of you in that list. I got me in that list. Every one of us has made judgments on people because they're not like us. That was the Jew and the Gentile issue. So here's the second thing I need you to do before we continue in the message. On the right side panel, so on the left side panel, you have the person you're in conflict with. On the right hand top, here's what I want you to write down. I want you to write down the group of people that you really struggle to love. 
I tell you, it was so crazy. We were having our Life Together group about six months ago, and my wife actually asked this question. And so she made all of us think about it, because we were talking about how we want to love each other here at K2. We want to be united together. And so she said, okay, well, then let's think about this. Then who are the group of people that you struggle to love? And I want to tell you, man, it's really humiliating to be honest with yourself and realize it's these people. And I remember sitting there, and here's what I know. If you're human, unless you're Jesus, which you're not, if you're human, you have a group of people that's really hard for you to love. But Susie didn't stop there, man. Then she made us share it with each other. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have an open mic. <laughs> no, I, but I'm telling you guys, and I sat there as people had the courage to say, these people, I just, they bug me. And the whole time I'm sitting there and going, I am so ashamed. Because here's what I know. I'm a nice guy. I bet most of you are nice people. I don't care how nice you are. We're messed up. Who is the group of people that you find yourself, if you, even this morning when you ran in, walked in here today, that you find yourself going, oh, I'm going to walk over here. And you divide yourself from. Write them down and put them at the right hand, at the top of your sheet. But here's what we know. Wherever there is division, you and I got to move in. Wherever this is going, we got to move in. Now, I think there's two reasons we don't move in. Number one is this. Because when, when you talk about division, it's darkness. So the Bible uses the metaphor of darkness and light. Wherever there's division, since it's the opposite of God's will, it is darkness. And you know what? It's hard because you don't want, who wants to go into that? <laughs> I don't want to go into a conflict because it's going to be messy. It's going to be painful. And so we don't want to go in there because it's dark in there. Or we look at people who aren't like us and we just go, God, it's just, they're just weird. Why would I go in there? It feels I got all this dark in there. I don't get them. And so we have darkness, and the other reason we don't go in is because of fear. We're afraid. If I go into this conflict, man, it's going to hurt, and I don't want to do that. If I go in to a bunch of people who aren't like me, I'm probably going to get rejected. Who wants to do it? We, just, we live by darkness, and we live in fear. And Jesus is light, and he's love, and love casts out fear. So look at this, Ephesians 2, and this is what I'm going to tear apart here for today's message. So you were far away, man, all us Gentiles, excluded, separate, foreigners. Here we are, verse 13. But now, there's the word again, there's but, remember last week? In the Bible, there's always this great contrasting word. Here's a reality that you're living in, but means you don't have to live there. We can move over here. But now, in Christ Jesus, in Jesus, it's why we worship him and why we love him. You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Now look at this word. His purpose this is amazing. Look at what God's purpose was. Was to create in himself a new humanity. Isn't that awesome? This is every little bumper sticker you've ever seen. 
where people are going, can't we have peace on earth? And God's going, I'm trying, okay? This is actually my will, to create one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And I just want to tell you, I grew up in church. I, I, I've, been, I've got my master's in theology. I've been in ministry 30 years. And, but the whole focus of the cross, always, the purpose of Christ on the cross was what? This is all we would ever teach. It was to reconcile us to God. And it is. But then you read this verse and you go, but that's not the only purpose. You guys, this is for all of us who are Christians in here, man. Come on. When Jesus was on the cross, his purpose of being on the cross was to create one humanity out of all of us. So when you're divided in a conflict with another person, Jesus died to bring you together. That's his purpose. When you stay away from a group of people who aren't like you and you separate yourself from them, you are living outside of the purpose. You are saying, Jesus, what you died for on the cross, I don't care. That's really what we're saying. And so no more, and that's where we're going after here today. Verse 18, and in one body to reconcile both of them. Okay? So what do you want to think of? Look at your, look at your person at, on the left. Look at the group of people you don't like. Both of them, you and that person, his will was to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him, through Christ, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. All right, let's unpack this. Look at the, if you got your program, go ahead and pull this out. Your first blank is this. Let's look at this. What is this dividing wall of hostility? That's your first blank. What is the dividing wall of hostility? So Ephesians 2, 14 and 15. Jesus has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Okay, so let's look at this. The first one, number one under there, is commands. So apparently Jesus has abolished this. Now, this is crazy because, wait, the Jews are like, but you gave them to us, God. <laughs> you gave us the commands. They were given by God, but why did he give them to them? He gave the Israelites his commands so that they would live such a beautiful, holy, godly life that it would be a witness to the rest of this kind of almost barbaric world at that time. And that they would look at this group of people and go, that's beautiful. How do they do that? And it would draw people to God. But instead of being something beautiful, instead of them understanding the purpose of having the commands, instead they took the commands and they thought, we're better than everybody else. And so something that was supposed to be a blessing instead became divisive. And so here's what's crazy. You go, the same thing happens. And here's the next thing. When we have commands... What that can cause us to believe is that you don't live up to the standard. That's your blank there. You don't live up to my standard. One of my favorite things to do is premarital counseling. I, 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 love, I love bringing couples together who are all starry-eyed and just, just dismissing that whole idea, right? <laughs> just, let's, just, let's just deal with some reality. But here's one of the realities. Susie and I uh, did, uh, did a book when we were engaged called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And they had an exercise in there called Your Ten Personal Commandments. It's fantastic. 
you have to write down the things that are commandments to you. Do you guys all know that you have personal commandments? You actually have things inside of you that are right. And it, it must have been just how you grew up, right? The toilet paper goes like this, not like this, you know, stuff like that. And, um, but really, the way you find out what your Ten Commandments are, your pet peeves, what really bugs you. And here's what's interesting. When somebody doesn't do it the way that you do it, then they don't live up to your standard. And here's what's crazy, is when somebody doesn't live up to your standard, across the board, you know what human beings do? We pull away. We start pulling away. A division starts to happen. And I want to tell you, so here's what's going on. Because as soon as you have commands, you have expectations. And you put expectations on your marriage partner. You put expectations on K2. You got expectations on me and on the worship. And you go, you, we all, you have expectations with your friendships. And we put all these expectations because this is the standard. <laughs> and then when we don't meet the other standard, what do we do? Well, I'm not going there anymore. Or I don't want to be married to that person anymore. Or that part, you know, I know we were friends, but we're not anymore. That's what human beings do. They pull away. And so the next blank is, because what we, often happens, when we have this expectation or this standard, and somebody doesn't meet it, then they wrong us. That's the next thing. You wronged me. And I want to tell you, man, when you get wronged, it hurts. And I'm not saying that it doesn't. It really hurts. And so you know what you feel? You feel the pain, and now you have the hostility. The dividing wall of hostility gets formed because of these commands, and we pull away. Here's the second thing. These, the other reason we have a dividing wall of hostility is because of regulations. So commands and regulations. So the Jewish, the Jewish people, God didn't just give them the commands. He gave them all this other stuff. They had rituals and feasts and, and ceremonies that were distinguished them from the rest of the people around them. Circumcision being the main one, right? Like when David was coming after Goliath, that's what he said. You uncircumcised, Gentile, right? You're not one of us. And so here's what regulations do. They cause us, the next blank is, you don't live like me. You don't live like me. And the next blank is, and you know what we end up saying? You're wrong. You're wrong. So the Jewish people, not only did they feel like they were better than everybody because of the commands, because of the moral religious thing, they also just looked and said, this is the way that's right. And here's what all of us do. We all have grown up in a culture in a way that makes us feel like this is the way that's right. And it's so funny to me. When I did youth ministry, <clears throat> you know, we take kids and we go to a camp let's say, and, and lots of other churches would be there. I'm telling you, as soon as the kids would get out of the vans, they would find the other kids in that, in, in the, came from other youth groups. Within a half hour, they found all the kids that were just like them. All the jocks are like, hey, what's up, you know? Find everybody else is cool. And the cheerleaders are like, hi. And they get together. And then all the kids who are just going to cause problems all weekend long, they find each other immediately. <laughs> it's crazy. Why do we do that? Why do we, listen, naturally gravitate to those that are like us? I think it makes sense. First of all, because we want to be accepted. And we just feel like, I got a better chance if I find the other people who are dressed like me, who listen to the same music, do all, we want to be accepted. And the second reason, I think that we gravitate to people who are like us, because if I'm actually going to hang out with somebody who's not like me, 
that's going to take some sacrifice. <laughs> that means I'm actually going to have to give up some of what I like because you like different things than me. And it's just hard. I don't want to give up myself. So here, and it's interesting because when we do this, we experience this. We're just saying, you're wrong. Now, can I just tell you something? Look at Luke, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus is telling a story about a Pharisee. And here's what he says. He goes, the Pharisees, by the way, if you don't know, Pharisees were people that Jesus was always in combat with, the high, you know, two religious people. He says, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Okay? First service laughed at that. You guys must... Uh, they were just unaware that that's what they're like, too. You guys must be more aware. You're a little more self-aware. That's good. Do you, guys, do you guys know that? See, I can tell you, I read that passage, and I'm like, oh, those Pharisees are such horrible people. So I sat with this deeply this week. And here's what I realized, man. I hate the reality of my heart. Like I said earlier, I'm a nice guy. But here's what I know. I have things inside of me where I go, I'm glad I'm not like those people. And so do you. And we got to start being honest with this. For some of you, you see people who are super successful and you're like, God, I'm just glad I'm not like them. They're so stuck up. Just caught up in all the physical stuff that, that I wish I had. And then those of you guys who are super successful, it's really tough. You go, man, I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not like that person. Who doesn't work as hard as I do. Doesn't have the same hardworking values that I do. For some of you, it's all about your looks. You're like, you, you, you get your value from your looks. We just, we do this all the time. And so Matthew chapter 5, verse 47, here's what Jesus says. He goes, if you, listen to this, if you greet only your own people. What are you doing more than others? For even pagans do that. So here's what God's saying to us. If you walk into K2 and all you do is look for the people who are like you, God's going, what? Why are you doing that? <laughs> like people who don't know me at all, that's what they do. <laughs> they are all looking to hang out with just people who are like them. But if you greet only your own people, he goes, that's not me. I'm in, man. I'm moving in. And so this is what God does. He gets rid of this stuff. So here's the point. You have two options, okay? You have two options whenever, you're, whenever we run into these commands and regulations. Number one, and it's in your blank, you either pull apart, and if you pull away from people who've hurt you or have not met your standard, if you pull away from people who aren't like you, that leads to division and enmity, and I'm telling you, the will of God is unity. And so if we're doing this, that, then we, let's just say it for what it is, okay? It's demonic. It is evil. It is not what God's about. And so your one option is to pull apart, but your second option is to move in. And if you move in, then you have a chance for unity and peace. And so how do we do this? Now we get to the good stuff. You ready? How can you and I, and by the way, the next message is when we get to the actual real practical stuff. This this portion, what Paul is going to try to give you, and I'm going to explain to you in just a minute, he's going to give you the why. Why will you, all of us in this room, who are actually followers of Christ, why will you make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit? Why are you going to do that? 
Okay? Now we're going to look and see what Jesus has to say. Let's go. It's just second page. It's let's move from hostility to unity. And again, before I jump into this, I'm going to say it one more time. What Jesus is going to say here is really hard. Really hard. Because division is darkness. It's painful in there. It's destructive in there. It hurts in there. So it leads to fear. So we have darkness and fear, and we're afraid to go in. All right? But why are we going to do it? Here you go. From hostility to unity. How do you move from hostility to unity? Number one, you have to know this, that Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. This is a fascinating statement, right? In chapter 2, verse 14, that's, it just put, says that. He himself is our peace. What does that mean? The first one thing it means is this, that he is our peace with God. Jesus is our peace with God. In chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And in one body, Jesus Christ, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. In verse 18, For through him, through Christ, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, now here's the question. You go, yeah, but wait a second. How does me being at peace with God actually help me to be at peace with you? Well, here's how it works. On the cross again, here's what you got to remember. When you were dead and separated from the life of God, and the Bible says, and by nature, children of wrath, you were absolutely deserving of God's wrath. While you were that way, you are divided and separate from God. What does Jesus do? I'm moving in, baby. God didn't look at you and go, man, you bug me. Can I just tell you, I got a problem with you. And so I'm just, you get your act together, and then I'm coming to you. No, Jesus comes up and he goes, can I just tell you? Yeah, you are far away from me and disobedient to you. You know what I do when someone's far away from me? He goes, I have great love, rich mercy, and incomparable grace. And here's what every Christian knows. The only reason I'm at peace with God is because Jesus took God's wrath for my sin. You will never be at peace with God by you trying to be good enough. Never happen, because you'll never be good enough. But the wrath of God towards sin was put on Jesus Christ. That's great love, rich in mercy and incomparable grace. Jesus, this is so important, doesn't pull away. He moves in. And two things happen. Here's what I know because of that. There's no judgment. I can stand before God, and I have no judgment, and I have no shame. Like, no shame when I fall apart. See, and now when you have no shame and you realize this is how Jesus sees me, Jesus is my peace with God. So now I don't have to prove anything. And I can be free to engage with you. So that's the first thing, is he gives us, Jesus is our peace because he alone makes us at peace with God. But here's the second thing. Jesus is our peace because he is in you. He is in you. Now, this is where it gets super, super cool. And if, because this is what the Bible says the mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations has now been disclosed to us, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? Now, let me just say this again this and this alone is Christianity. 
going to church and trying to be a good person is not Christianity. That's human religion, and it's burdensome and boring, and it's going to wear you down, and you might as well just quit and go golfing. I'm serious. Just, if that's what you're doing, just give up. Let's go home. Here's what Christianity is. Christianity is when you finally admit, I am so, I can't follow God. And you realize, I am dead in my sins, but Jesus loved me. And he says, if I will put my faith in him and receive his forgiveness of all of my sin, then his spirit comes and Jesus dwells in me. You guys, if that's never happened to you, if you don't walk every day with an awareness of the spirit of the living God inside of you, then you don't know Christ yet. And that's what the, and I, for some of you, that's really good news to hear because you're like, this Christianity thing just doesn't work. This is stupid. I would say your idea of what it is doesn't work and it's stupid. <laughs> What's life-giving is having Jesus living inside of you. Now, here's a question. If Jesus is inside of me and there's division or separation, what's he doing? Okay, come on, help me out. What's Jesus doing? He's moving in. So he is our peace. And so I, I just know this. In my nature, I don't want to go in because it's dark in there and it's scary. But when Jesus is living inside of me, he always moves me in. And I am synced with him and he is synced with me. And here's the other really important thing. If Jesus is in me and he's my peace, that means every other follower of Christ Jesus is in that person too. So if you have a conflict with someone who's a follower of Christ and you are separating yourself from them, who are you separating yourself from? Jesus. Do you remember what he said? You do it to the least of these, you do it to me. When you walk in here to K2 and you see people who aren't like you and you don't want to have anything to do with them and Jesus is in them, what are you doing? You're saying, Jesus, I don't want anything to do with you. He is our peace because he's in us. And it's his spirit that actually joins us together. All right, so he is our peace. Here's the last one. And then Jesus makes us at peace. He makes us at peace. How does this work? Number one, because we both get in for free. <laughs> We both get in for free. Ephesians 2.18. For through Christ, we both have access to the Father by the same Spirit. Okay? Now, let's think about this. What does that look like then? So literally, what the Scriptures are saying to us is as soon as you receive Christ, you are baptized, you are synced with him. So when he raised up and was seated into heaven, somehow you and I actually have access to God. So it's like we get in and we get into God's presence and we're like, how did I get in here? And you know how. The only reason you got in is Jesus gave you a free ticket. And he said, because I totally forgave you of everything you got. Come in and you have access now to God. And you are so humbled and you can't believe it. And then you look over here and you go, how'd you get in? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, don't you know what he did to me? And Jesus is like, yes. And did you forget how you got in here? Did you forget of everything you've done to me? See, and here's the problem. 
Here's what's weird. You and I as Christians, we're sitting in the presence of God by free ticket of grace alone with our backs turned to other people who got in free too. And guess what, man? For eternity, you're going to be living with each other. We're going to be living with each other. So here's what this does. The way Jesus makes us at peace is you have to be able to look at every other person in this room and go, this is equal footing. I didn't get in because I was better and you're worse. We all were worse. And once you realize that, it humbles you to the point where you can look at each other and you can actually, Jesus gives you the ability to see each other differently. And that's the last one. He gives us his eyes. He gives us his eyes. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.14. For Christ's love compels us. What's going to cause you, when we walk out of here today, to go to the person who's hurt you, that you've pulled away from? What's going to cause you to walk out of here today and sometime this week reach out to them? What's going to cause you to come to K2 and to see the people who are completely different than you and instead of us ignoring each other and find the people who are just like us, what's going to actually, the people you're separated from, what's going to move you to say, okay, whew, you're so different than me, I'm going, to go, I'm going in. How are you going to move in? Christ's love moves us. Why? Because we are convinced that one died for all. And this is so beautiful. And therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. See, so what does that mean? If I'm actually right here at K2, our mission is to invite you and to equip you to live out the adventure of following Jesus. But if you follow Jesus, okay, then what that means is you don't live for yourself anymore. But see, when we see people who aren't like us, we're like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to mess, I don't want to go in there because it's going to be awkward. I'll have to give up some of who I am. I'll have to accept some things. I, I just, who are you living for? Yourself. And when you want to protect yourself because there's a conflict going on, who are you living for? This is what Jesus keeps telling me. David, you're living, you're protecting yourself. But once you receive Christ, you don't live for yourself. Anyone who lives should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And what did Paul tell us in Ephesians? Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? To unite everything. And so when this happens, all of a sudden you go, okay, wow, I live for him. And the reason he died for me is he died for all of us is so that he could crush these commands and these regulations. Get rid of the judgments. Get rid of them. He goes, I'm not judging you anymore. I put all my judgment on Christ. So you get rid of your judgments. I've got rid of that. It's now grace and truth and forgiveness that we can offer everybody. And then this last beautiful phrase, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Do you know what a worldly point of view, you guys, is? Simply a worldly point of view is, the, is a point of view of judgment. That's all it is. I'm looking at you and I'm deciding, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I decided what's good and what's not. And so we run into each other and we have points of view. 
And we see people who don't quite meet the standard that we set, and so we pull away from them. We see people who are different than us, who don't have the same values, the same socioeconomic status, who aren't as cool as we are, who aren't as beautiful as we are. And Jesus just comes in and goes, you don't see each other that way anymore. Instead, we see everyone from the view of Christ. And I'm telling you, man, that changes everything. And here's the first person, the first person that you need to see no longer from a worldly point of view is yourself. Okay? It has to start there. You need to be able to look into the mirror and quit judging yourself. Because this is what we do. I can't forget myself. I know myself. I'm a horrible person. I d- no, stop it. He doesn't look at you that way. Jesus died for you. You're seen without blemish or accusation. And when you can look at yourself, not from a worldly point of view, but from God's point of view, where he's going, I've totally forgiven you. I totally love you. Guess what can happen? You can finally look at another person who's falling short and who's not living up to the standard and who's not like you, and now you can see them from God's point of view. He can give you his eyes to see you clean and free, and he can give you his eyes to see each other the same way. And I'm telling you, this is how. This is God's, he just said, God has revealed the mystery of his, the insight and the unfathomable riches of God's understanding. He goes, this is how I'm gonna make one new humanity. I'm gonna reconcile them to myself when they don't deserve it so that they can look at each other who don't deserve it and give them the same thing that I gave them. This is what can change. So what do we do? Real quick, here's what we gotta do. Number one, and this is so important, you must be honest with yourself and with God and confess to him who it is that you're divided from. You've got, this, is, this was so hard for me this week, but I'm telling you, you've got to be honest with who Jesus, this is the group of people that I pull away from. This is who's not worthy of my time or my affection. And you've got to be honest with him because it's sin, you guys. It's the opposite of God's value. And if you have people in your life right now that you can't forgive and you're keeping separated from, you've got to be honest to him and confess that to him. Okay, that's the first thing you do. And then the second thing, what you do is then you go to him and you ask for grace and you say, help me, (laughs) help me. Please, God, I don't have it. I don't have the right eyes. I don't have the right heart. Here's what's great. He says, you can approach God at any time. It's a throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help you. So if you are sitting there going, I just can't do it. Great, he knows that. Just tell him, God, not only do I confess that this is my heart, I can't, do, I can't change it. Would you help me? Start asking him to help you. And then the third thing you've got to do is you must remember, just keep this in the forefront of your mind if you're a Christian, Jesus is in me. And he always moves in. And Jesus is in, if it's another Christian, brother or sister, then Jesus is in that person. And if I'm separating myself from them, I'm separating myself from him. 
All right? And then the last thing you got to do, and this is the toughest one, you actually have to move in. It's nice to pray. It's nice to sit in your backyard when the sun's rising and going, well, Jesus, I confess that I can't do this, and please help me, and I remember you're in me, and then he's going to go, okay, now go. And you're going to have to move into the person you're having conflict with, and you got to move into the person or group of people that you're struggling to love. And I don't even have to tell you more because I think you already know who those people are. And if you move in, Jesus will move in because that's what he's doing. And then we'll see the glory of God start to reconcile. And we'll start next week to talk about how do we actually do this? How do we actually do this? Because it's hard. All right, so the band's going to come on up and we're going to close our service. And this is super important here. So we're going to go ahead and take our offering during this time again. Why? Because we love him. It's our way to love him. It's really a way, a way that we love each other because this gift is a gift that gets just spread out through all the ministries here. It's how we love the world. So we're going to take our offering. But here's what we're going to do, you guys. And I want you to, we're going to worship. And this is super important this time, okay? Because what's happening in this moment is, again, remember this. Why don't we move in? While you're worshiping, I want you to think about how dark that world is of conflict that you're avoiding. And here's what you got to remember. But Jesus walks into darkness and he's the light. Jesus in you can move into that darkness and make it light and make it right. And if you're afraid, Jesus is in you. He has no fear. None. He has no fear. He has perfect love for that person. He has perfect love for you. So, Jesus, so what we got to do now is we got to worship the reality and thank him and praise him that he has moved into us and reconciled us to God. And then in light of that, we're going to live with him and bring this unity into the world. All right? Let's stand. Let's give our gifts. And let's worship him together.